0: Thank you so much for listening to our podcast here at the Greenwood Church of God. We are so excited that you have found us here. Our prayer is that this podcast would enrich your life and give you strength for this week ahead. Thank you so much for being here. Now enjoy the podcast. Let's give God a bigger hand. So excited to be with you and have my best half with me I tell people without her just dig me a hole and put me in it Because I'm not worth anything and The reason why we have what we have in ministry Is because of the grace of the Lord And this beautiful woman right here and It's not because of me She's just incredible and I'm, I'm just thrilled to be here What a great day we had yesterday And uh, t- tonight we're going to talk about dreams How do you move from dreams And how do you get those dreams accomplished And so we're going to talk about those kinds of things It's going to be fun as we share with one another, I want you to stand with me and turn to Luke chapter thirteen. I know that you don't that you know this extremely well, but you have to the greatest pastors, and I call them pastors because it's a team ministry. And I think we need to give our pastors a hand for the work that they do and how they love you, <laughs> love Michael and Amber, love your family. And uh, poor old Faith had to put up with us last night until about ten o'clock. So I talked for four hours yesterday, and then we went out to dinner, and and we talked until about ten o'clock last night. and Had a great time, and we went to the room and. And uh, getting ready for today, and I'm excited for what the Lord wants to do at this church. Uh, when I look at your facilities, and, and you, I know you know this, but I want to tell you, having the opportunity to travel a lot, which is what we do every weekend, I'm somewhere traveling in some church, and having now ministry for 41 years from me, you have a very rare facility. And so you need to thank the Lord, the Lord's given you this facility to reach this community. And so he doesn't reach us and give it to us just to hold it here. It's for us to go out there. And so my statement is not about me, it's about we. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject when you're bent out of shape. Luke chapter 13. We're going to begin reading at verse 10. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, He called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmities. He laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them, and not on the Sabbath. The Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you, that means plural, there are others out there with it, On the Sabbath, loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it. So ought not this woman, being the daughter of Abraham, very key right there, the daughter of Abraham, she was a Jewess, whom Satan has bound, think of it for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. When he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Father, we thank you that you have given us the privilege to be in your house and to lift up voices of praise to you and hands of worship, we thank you, Lord, that you give us an opportunity to to come into your house and to give of our of our tithes and of our offerings to you. We thank you, Lord, that you have created us to be givers. And so, Lord, as we are givers now, we pray that we give our worship to you with your word, Holy Spirit. I pray that they would hear Jesus and not me, that they would see you and not see me. Hide me behind the cross. Then they may have the word that was speaking to their hearts and to their lives. And their lives, when we leave this place today, we will not be the same. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I know we don't start till 5 o'clock tonight, so i got a few hours to preach. And uh, we're good. Have you ever been bent out of shape? Do you know what I mean by that? Some of you got bent out of shape coming to church today. I told you to get up earlier. Well, if you had helped me with the kids, we'd have got there on time. Well, I don't want to go to McDonald's for lunch. I want to go to Burger King. But well, do you think money grows on trees? All the way here, just get bent out of shape. You get out of your car fussing one another, and all of a sudden somebody gives a, hey, Jim, how you doing? Oh, I'm great. Blessed to be, too blessed to be stressed, to anointed, to be disappointed. Hallelujah. Like, fake it till you make it. All the way to church, get bent out of shape. Well, there's a lot of things that bend me out of shape. I'll just give you a few that, that kind of bend me out of shape. You know, when you go to school and your kids go to school, they tell you to purchase this number two pencil. My question is, if the number two pencil is that important, why is it number two and not number one? I just moved from Louisiana. I pastored in Louisiana for eight years and then was overseer for Louisiana for four years, so 12 years I lived in Louisiana. Mosquitoes are as big as helicopters down there. My question is, why didn't Noah swap those two mosquitoes? Why is it that Superman has bullets that bounce off of him, but he dodges when they throw the gun? Makes no sense. The one that really bothers me is in a world in a life and in a country of free speech, why do we still get phone bills? Some of y'all get that next Friday. I know he hadn't quite hit you yet. Well, those are funny things that bend us out of shape. But what about the real things that bend us out of shape? A loss of a job. A loss of a spouse. A loss of a dream. You had a dream inside of you to go somewhere, do something, to be something. And somehow those dreams just stopped. And now you find that you're hurt and you're angry. Or maybe you've been treated unfairly. Or you went to work one day and the boss said, I need to see you. And the office is all right. I'm going to get that raise. I'm going to get that promotion. And instead, you got the pink slip. I'm talking about things that just really pinned us out of shape. Bum, I like watching NFL football. And, and Bum Phillips, a great NFL coach from yesteryear, made the statement one day. He in his old Southern drawl that he had, he says, well, there's two types of coaches in the NFL. Them that's been fired and then that's going to be fired. Well, I can tell you there's two types of people in this world. Those who have been been, bent out of shape and those who are going to be bent out of shape. And if you've never been bent out of shape, I just invite you to live a little bit longer. (laughs) There will be times that you will be bent out of shape. And just because you're a Christian does not mean that you can avoid it. You're not going to be able to avoid it. There will be issues that face your life and you will be bent out of shape. And you do not receive an exemption from difficulties when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Well, if you've ever experienced being bent out of shape, you're in good company. Because Jesus offers hope to people that have been bent out of shape. And in our scripture passage, we find a woman in John chapter 11 and John chapter 13 and verse 11 that says she's been crippled. She's been bent out of shape for over 18 years. Dr. Ralph Wilson says that this was probably the Marie Stroupel disease. It's a fusion of the spinal bones. And so what happens is when pain would hit someone's back, they, they lean forward to get rid of the pain. The pain hits them and so they go a little bit further then the pain hits them a little bit more and they lean forward a little bit more. And then when they walk through life, pain will hit them they find themselves eventually where they have been totally bent out of shape to where they can't hardly move. You can imagine now when you're bent out of shape this direction, it affects your whole life physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, and spiritually. All of these psychological things come against you and hit you and you find yourself bent out of shape. Well, I would say that this woman's condition is an example of how we get in our life when we're bent out of shape. And the same way that Jesus ministered to this lady is the same way that Jesus ministers to us when we find ourselves bent out of shape. So if you're a note taker, I've got four things for you to take. I always encourage notes because you're not only going to remember 1% of what I say today, so write it down so you need it tomorrow. There's four ways that we find that Jesus helps us when we're bent out of shape. And the first is this, is that Jesus notices when we're bent out of shape. Jesus notices you when you are bent out of shape. We find this woman, I don't know how you read the word, but when I read the word, I put myself into it. I like to picture it. And we find that Jesus now is in the synagogue and and he's teaching. While he's teaching, there's a little woman on the side over here that's totally bent Out of shape. Jesus has a whole host in front of him and now somehow there's this lady that's over in the corner somewhere and she is in this condition. You can imagine what this is like. All she had ever seen for 18 years is seen her feet and has eaten everybody's dust that's coming around her. This is all she knows. She can't look up. She can't look around. She's just bent out of shape. In fact, all she saw was her feet and the feet of the people that's in front of her. In fact, she probably knew people by their feet. Hey, Mary, how you doing? Well, How did you know it was me? Well, you still got that left bunion on your left toe. You hadn't fixed it yet, This was her life for 18 years, totally bent out of shape. And Jesus now is teaching in the synagogue and he sees this lady totally bent out of shape. I kind of have an idea of what this is like. My Aunt Lil, she was a nurse in the mountains of Kentucky with all those big old burly coal miners. And she was so great that they wanted Aunt Lil to take care of them. And so while she was ministering, they didn't teach you how to pick people up back then. And so she kept breaking her back. So when she finally retired from nursing, she was already bent this way. But by the time she passed away, this was my Aunt Lil. They had to put her in a wheelchair. And when she was in the wheelchair, she was still this way. When you went to speak to Aunt Lil, you had to get down here on her level so that you could see her eye to eye. Eating is extremely difficult because it's hard to digest. Speaking to people, if you've ever lived in this condition, it's hard to speak because your diaphragm can't work exactly like it needs to work. And so this was my aunt. Lived in a wheelchair her last few years and she to get with her you had to get on her level. This is exactly what this lady is talking about. Now we have to understand that now Luke is a physician, the one writing So he doesn't use the same words that other people in the Gospels use. And so when he diagnoses her condition, he does not use a word for illness or disease or injury. He uses a word in verse 11 that says the spirit of infirmity. And then Jesus himself says in verse 12 that you have this infirmity. It's the Greek word asthenia, which means a weakness. When you study this out, some scholars believe that this was a lying spirit of infirmity that had convinced this woman that she couldn't stand up. And she had given in to the hurt and to the pain, which caused her situation to get worse. And my, don't we do the same thing. On the outside, we may have our shoulders square and we look like everything's great, but on the inside, we are bent out of shape. On the outside everything looks wonderful and the smiles sure are pretty but on the inside somebody said something to us and we have been out of shape a little bit more and then somebody did us wrong over here and we get bent out of shape a little bit more and somebody said this and they shouldn't have said that and we find ourselves bent out of shape. Well we don't like the way this person does that and we don't like the way that person does that and here we find ourselves coming into the sanctuary where Jesus is teaching not that I'm Jesus but your pastor anyone else and we find ourselves bent out of And somehow this lying spirit of infirmity had told this lady that she was being out of shape. In fact, uh, uh, teachers and and psychologists and physicians will tell you that there is a connection between what you say and how you act. And sometimes you can talk yourself into being sick. Oh, come on. If I sat here long enough, some of you with weak stomachs and started going, boo. And started saying Buick and Ralph, if you understand that. Some of y'all be running out that door. You can talk yourself. I tried this when I was a kid. I had a drug problem growing up. I was drugged to church every time the doors were open. We were that family. Both my grandfathers were preachers, and my mom and dad were PKs, and so they believed in being in church every time the doors were open. Every revival, every work day, we were the first there. We got there before the pastor got there, and we were the ones locking up whenever the pastor was already gone. We were that family. Oh, yes, that family. Well, I wanted to watch the football game one Sunday night, and I told my dad, I said, Dad, I'm just not feeling good. I'm really sick. So I tried the penny under the tongue trick. You know, they said you could put a penny underneath the tongue of the old mercury thermometers. When you put next to it, it felt like you had a fever. I'll neither confirm nor deny whether that worked. And so I told my dad I was sick. And my dad's answer was this, son, we're Pentecostal. Get your clothes on. We're going to pray for you when we get in church. It didn't work with me. But you can talk yourself into, into being in this situation. So a spirit of infirmity had grabbed a hold of this lady and told her that you can't do things. Here we are, being able to say, why don't you stand up? I can't. Why don't you look me in your eye, in my eyes? I can't. Well, why don't you just try to bend your back a little? I can't. Have to sleep in a fetal position. Why don't you straighten out? I can't. And so the spirit of I can't had grabbed a hold of this woman. And there are a lot of people in our churches that have the spirit of I can't. We'll give up that addiction. I can't. We'll forgive that person. I can't. We'll get rid of the bitterness inside of you. I can't. Because we're so bent out of shape, we've allowed our lives to be confirmed and be infirmed by the spirit of infirmity. I'm preaching a whole lot better. Than you say saying amen. amen. We'll be through by five if you stay that quiet with me. It's kind of like the circus elephant. We look at this big old huge circus element with big old huge ears and big old long trunk and we look at this a little bitty wooden stake with a piece of yarn t- tied around. And somehow that elephant doesn't go anywhere. Well, it doesn't start when the elephant's big, it starts when the elephant's small. They get a big old huge, I used to train, uh, I had a hunting dog, I used to train that hunting dog, and so I know a little bit about training, and they put this big old long stake way down to the ground. They put a, a cast iron and a steel trap around its leg, and when that baby elephant starts to move, it feels the pain and the anguish, And when it feels it, it gets bent out of shape, if you will. It says, I can't do this, and so it stops, but well, it gets to be bigger. Next thing you know, it's a little bitty wooden stake with a piece of yarn, you see, it's not the stake in the ground keeping that elephant there it's the attitude of the mind that's keeping it there and when you're bent out of shape it's the attitude of your heart and the attitude of your mind that keeps telling you you can i'm saying it's time for the spirit of the living god to move into our lives and get rid of the i can't in life and say i can do all things through christ that gives me the strength hallelujah That's why he tells the Ephesians, he says, Ephesians 4, 27, give no place to the devil. If you give the devil an inch, he's going to take a mile. He'll take your smile and he'll steal your joy. He'll do everything he can to get rid of that inside of you. I have good news for you. That's why the Apostle Paul can say, I can do all things. So now while the spirit of infirmity has hit this lady, we find that Jesus was not indifferent to her hurt and her pain. She did not go unnoticed by Jesus. That's interesting to me. It says that Jesus noticed her. You read this word. Nowhere in this word does it say that she approached Jesus. Here he is talking to this woman that he should not be talking to. Yet he noticed her. Her condition made her an outcast to society. In that society during that time, if you were if you were injured or if you were someone that could not give to society, you were an outcast to society. And yet He still noticed her. She's so bent out of shape and she didn't belong in the place where she was, but yet Jesus still noticed her. I just want you to know, somebody needs to hear this. It doesn't matter what you're going through or what the situation you are in Like Jesus still notices right where you are and He still cares for you about your situation. If the world says you don't belong, Jesus says, is, you do belong because I created you and I shaped you and I formed you. Jesus notices when you are bent out of shape. And you may not understand it. You may not know why. You may not grasp a hold of why you're there. Just hang on a little bit longer because Jesus is noticing right where you are and he will touch your life. Amen. Come on, Bishop. This is good stuff. Jesus notices when you've been out of shape. Here's the second thing I want you to write down, and that is this, that Jesus is powerful enough to heal you when you're bent out of shape. He's powerful enough to heal you when you're bent out of shape. So Jesus has compassion, and that's wonderful, that's nice, but if that's all Jesus had on this lady, she would have still walked out and been out of shape. It's one thing to have compassion and empathy for someone. It's another thing to do something for someone. You can look at, all oh, the poor pitiful person, I'm, I'm feel such compassion, it's another thing to go out and buy them the food to put on their table. Y'all all right out there? It's one thing to have compassion. It's another thing to do something about. And here we find that Jesus is powerful enough to do something about it. So notice it says that he notices her, but then another word is that he calls her. I just think about this situation. Now, here she is, all bent out of shape over here. Jesus notices her and calls her. Now, we don't know what he said. It doesn't say what he said, but it says he calls her. I would say that Jesus probably said, Hey, Miss, Miss, Miss Lady, Lady, would you come over here? And I can see this lady bent out of shape. All the whole people of the congregation there. Jesus talking to a woman that he should not be talking to. After all, why should he talk to her? She's an outcast to society. She doesn't belong in this place. She doesn't look like us. She doesn't act like us. She doesn't smell like us. But After all, she shouldn't even be in this place. And here she is. And Jesus calls her. I just get in my mind and I think Jesus goes to her and he bends down. Does like we had to do with my aunt Leo and he reached goes down and looks up into her her hopeful eyes. That makes me want to shout. Aren't you thankful that when you couldn't reach up to the Lord, he came down right to where you are? Oh, come on somebody. That makes me want to shout. Listen, when I didn't deserve for him to, for me to be in his presence, he still came to me. When I was lost and undone, he still came to where I am to save my sin sick soul. I thank God for a Lord that cares about me that when I'm bent out of shape, he comes right to where I am. <laughs> He notices her and he calls her and he goes to her but then an interesting thing is that all of a sudden now he speaks to her if you ever heard T.D. Jakes you've heard him preach that message woman thou art loosed my sermon's better and he speaks to her he says woman you are loosed from your infirmity Now it's interesting to me that he uses this word loosed. Now remember Luke is a medical doctor. Say medical doctor. So he's using phrases and terms that nobody else uses. And so when he uses this word loosed, that word loosed is a medical term saying to be loosed from the bandages. All the wounds, all the pains, all the hurt, all the heartache. All the issues of life. All those things that have her bound now. He's looking at her and he's looking at her face and he says, Woman, you are loosed from all of those things that have held you bondage. Oh, glory to God. Oh, but he doesn't, he said, this is the spirit of the Lord. God's upon me because he sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to set loose the captives. Come on, somebody. That's exactly what the Lord is saying to her. But then he, he says something else that's kind of interesting. When that word loosed also means the word forgiveness. Now, why would this woman need to be loosed from unforgiveness? Let me ask you a, a very pointed question. Where would you be in your life when people were kicking you out? Perhaps she was there with her pain and her anguish saying, how dare they get rid of me? I'm bent out of shape. My family's left me. Everybody else has left me. I'm having to eat everybody else's dirt. I'm having to beg for crumbs. I'm having to beg for everything that I get because that's what you had to do back then. No one was just taking care of you if you could not help society. And here she is all bent out of shape. And now when Jesus says, woman, you are loose. Can you get the word picture starting right now? That now all of a sudden all these bondages and these bandages and these wounds are being healed up because now it's being taken off. And now you're saying, woman, all this inside of you that does not belong, you're being loose from all of that because Joy unspeakable and full of glory is about to hit you. Oh, but it doesn't stop there. Another word for loose means luo, which means to destroy, to annihilate, to tear asunder, and to render ineffective. What that tells me is, woman, everything that has held you bound, everything that's destroyed you, I'm loosing you from all of that, and it's never to be held against you again. It's annihilated. It's destroyed. It's wiped out. Salvation and freedom is yours. Come on. Somebody praise Him in this place. The Lord is saying, I'm setting you loose. I'm setting you free from all the things that have held you down. Well, glory to God. Jesus notices her. He calls her, he speaks to her, but he doesn't stop there. The word says in verse 13 that he touched her. Now remember, I drew your attention that it says that she was a Jewess. She was a Jew. She understood about this thing called touch, especially being in the temple. She so you know that all the Old Testament practices meant that the priest would touch the animal. So if you had sin in your life, you'd bring your two-tuttle doves, you'd bring your lamb, you'd bring it to the priest, laying your hands on that lamb, those doves, you were representing yourself, this is my sin, placing it on these, and the priest would absolve that sin and set you free on the Day of Atonement. They would bring in the goat. When they brought in the goat, then the great priest, the high priest, would come and lay his hands on the goat. And it says that he would let loose the the goat into the wilderness. And so now her hearing this and seeing that I'm loosing you, but now he touches her. You see, she understood the power of the touch of the master's hand. She understood that whenever that touch came something great and incredible starts to happen. But here's the way I like to think that it happened is he's looking up at her hopeful eyes and he spoke to her. Still she was still bent out of shape when he said you are loosed. But it says when he touched her. It says immediately she stood up. Let me tell you I believe that when Jesus touched her, when he stood up, she stood up too. Hallelujah. That's the way it is in a sin sick soul. One day we're bent out of shape and we're lost in our sin, but the next moment we're justified by the power and the anointing of Almighty God. He has set us free. He has made us free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. He touches our hearts and He touches our life, and immediately we are made straight. Where are you in your immediately? Where are you in your life? Where are you in the situation where well, you need the Lord to come and just to touch her? One minute we're in our fig and leaves of, of sin, and the next minute we're standing justified by the Lord. That's just a big theological word, means that it looks like we've never sinned before. One moment you're standing before the Lord in your sin sickness, but the moment you're standing before the Lord, justified, just as if you had never sinned. Why? Because the Lord God Almighty notices you, He calls you, and when the touch of the Master's hand hits you, you are set free. Somebody praise Him in this place. Hallelujah. Jesus notices you. He's powerful enough to heal you. Here's the third thing. When you're been out of shape, Jesus turns your brokenness into rejoicing. What's well, worth the price of admission right there? When Jesus touches her, In verse 13, it says, immediately she straightened up and sat on the pew. Is that what it says? Immediately she straightened up and praised God. I don't know what she said. I don't know what she sang. It doesn't say the words that were in the midst of that song, but she was a Jew and she understood that the Messiah was supposed to come, and here she is face to face with the Messiah, it wouldn't surprise me if she sang the song that we used to sing when I was a kid, love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help, love lifted me. After all this great theology in that song, the greatest epitome of love, Jesus Christ himself gave up his throne in glory, and came down to an earth that was in destruction, and he came down and saved us, he lifted us up with his love. When we didn't deserve him, he still came anyway. When When we didn't deserve Him, He still took the beating on His back anyway. When we didn't deserve Him, He still was down in the grave. When we didn't deserve Him, He still resurrected on the third day. I'm telling you, there's a Lord that loves you with an everlasting love. And when He touches you, there's something that will change inside of your life because He touches you with His love. All of us can say, love lifted me. Listen, when nothing else, when the doctors can't say they can't do anything, love lifted me. When the family gets the away and tows you away, love lifted me. When your friends say, you don't belong in this group anymore, Lord, love still lifted me. Listen, when the world cast me out, it's still the love of Jesus that's inside of me that loves me with an everlasting love. What is the love inside of you that Lord's touch you when you're bent out of shape? Because there's a lot of things that bend us out of shape. Worry and anxiety. Frustration will bend you out of shape. Loss of your job, abused, being rejected. Those times when you're trapped and you feel like you just can't get out of it. And people look at you and say, Would you just straighten up? And you say, I. But then something happens when the Lord touches you. He, he notices you. He calls you. He, he speaks to you. He touches you. And, and, the, and, the, and then he, when he says these words, coming to me. All you labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Place my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And all of a sudden things start happening. But then when he touches you, your life changes. Here's a life lesson you need to grab a hold of. When Jesus touches you, you will straighten up and praise God. Your marriage is in difficulties, let Jesus touch you, straighten up, praise God. You addicted to something, will not you just let Jesus touch you and straighten up, praise God. Listen to me, you don't realize where I've come from and this your pastor asked you to pray for me. But the last few months have not been really kind to me. The last few months have not been very easy. On December 6th, they went in and I thought I had, they told me I had cancer and the cancer was supposed to be gone. And then all of a sudden I get a phone call two weeks after moving to Mississippi and said, your cancer numbers are way out the roof and we're going to have to do something. So on December 6th they went and took a little over a third of my stomach and I'm still going through the changes of all that. I still got five holes cut in my body. But yet this last Monday they told me Listen, this is going to take a long time. But last Monday I get a phone call from the oncologist and says, listen, Durwood. so let me tell you what's happened. Your numbers went from 2,200 down to 44. You are normal. You are cancer free. Listen, when the Lord touches you, I'm telling you, there's a praise that will raise up inside of you. He set me free. He's redeemed me. Somebody needs to say, thank you, Lord. I'm not where I was. Thank you, Lord. I've not been out of shape. Thank you, Lord. I am now set free. Somebody praise him in this place. He turns your brokenness into rejoicing. When you're broken, the Lord has a way of coming inside of you and touching you. When difficulties come and bend you out of shape, you need to get ready. One of my favorite scriptures, write it down in Psalm 40, verse 1 through 3. is says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me. he heard my cry, he lifted me up out of the slimy pit, out of the muck and the mire. And he put my feet on a solid rock and a firm place to stand. But I love is it and he put a new song in my mouth and a hymn of praise to our God. Amen. Let me tell you why it's so special to me. Because when you're been out of shape, your song gets gone. And I was in college playing basketball at University of Kentucky, not for the team. <laughs> I could touch the rim. I'm only 5'6", but at that time I could touch the rim. They wouldn't use me for the basketball. it's too small. But I was playing in a place called the Seaton Center, which is where the, the guys practiced, and then we had intramurals going on. I was playing basketball with a real jumpy guy. And so I had faked him out. Grew too much people around him. When I did, the guy stuck his knee out and just laid my nose over him. I went to the infirmary and I said, is my nose broken? The guy said, well, was your nose deviated to your right eye when you came here? And I said, no. He said, yep, it's broken. <laughs> well, in the process of that, it, create, it created issues, science issues. And so a few years ago, it was stripping my throat where I just didn't have much of a voice. So I had to go in, they had to straighten all that out, do all the kind of work, which is a knot of God surgery. It is not fun. Went in there, and so now they're having to give me vocal lessons. Now, my sister can sing like Sandy Patty. Seriously, she is a phenomenal singer. Me, you don't want to hear me sing. I get in the shower, and my wife goes, Do you have to do that? (laughs) I'm not a singer. So I went to this little bitty room, about the size of this carpet right here, and this little old girl, about this tall, says, Okay. Uh, Pastor Perkins, you're going to, or she said, Dr. Perkins, you're going to have to help me, and, and you're going to have to do these exercises. And I used to hear my sister do these warm-ups. Momma, momma, And I'm going, and I get ticked. She goes, wah, wah, and I'm going, wah. Man, how do you do that in a room with a little girl this tall telling you to make these kind of, I said, I can't do that. And she looked at me, she said, do you want to preach again? la la la. And the thought hit me about this passage. When you're bent out of shape, your song's gone. When you're bent out of shape, you don't want to do exercises. When you're bent out of shape, you don't want to play the game. When you're out of shape, you just want to get in your little hole and stay bent out of shape. But this thought started hitting me. Listen, the Lord heard my cry. He inclined to me. And all of a sudden, He told me to start doing, I uh, put a new song in my mouth. Well, I have a word for someone here today is listen, no matter what you're going through, start doing the warm-up exercise because God's going to give you a song in the night. He's going to give you a song in your pain. He's going to give you a song in the issues of life. And when the song comes, you got to sing it because when you sing it, others will hear it and they're going to know about the Lord and they're going to say, I want what you've got. You're bit out of shape. I want to see you healed and I want to be healed. Amen. But what really gets good now is in verse 17. It says, all the multitude, when she was healed and started praising God, all the multitude, all the multitude, how much? Oh. All the multitude heard the glorious things and rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done. That word glorious means marvelous or gorgeous. Amen. You see, those of those that had seen her been out of shape and didn't really know her that well said, well, that's a glorious thing. Oh, that's marvelous. She was healed. Those that really knew the intricacies of her life said, oh, this is really glorious of what's happened with her because now she can help society. Boy, don't we get selfish. Well, it's about time they start carrying their load. About time they started doing their thing. Boy, don't we get so judgmental. Not here in Greenwood, only people I pastors. We get so judgmental. But then there were others that knew her intimately that said, she's gorgeous. See, they understood the ugliness of being bent out of shape. They understood the mess that she had to go through being bent out of shape. They understood the ugliness of her life. Can I tell you, people know when you're bent out of shape even though you don't. Even though you're trying to fake it, they know you're bent out of shape. They know the stink of your life. They know how ugly it is. But all of a sudden when you start straightening it up and Jesus has touched you. And joy unspeakable is in you. And you start speaking life to people rather than death to people. You have a smile on your face rather than a frown on your face. You have the joy of the Lord inside of you in spite of all the issues of life. Then people notice you and see you and say, oh, the glorious thing. Oh, listen, you are gorgeous. You went from the ugliness of life and now I see the joy of the Lord inside of you. All the people noticed and saw that and they rejoiced in it. Except for the religious people. How dare you do that on the Sabbath? Isn't it funny how religious people can look down on somebody getting set free? Reminds me of the revival service. This guy went down and got saved every revival. Everybody kept saying, well, we'll see what he does this time. And finally one lady went up, laid her hands on his shoulder and said, Watch out, Lord, he leaks. But it may be that very time that they get down in the shade and they start walking straight the religious people say listen jesus says you' a bunch of hypocrites you break the sabbath yourself you just invented your own laws you see they were more concerned about her break, breaking the sabbath and more concerned about their animals that they would set free than a woman being set free by the Lord You see, I think we need to start rejoicing for what the Lord's going to do. I I thank the Lord for what he's done in my life, but I am going to praise him for what I know he's going to do in my life. Sometimes we just have to rejoice by faith. Two grandmothers were talking. We have four grandchildren. Two live in California. My daughter and and son-in-law is planting a church in in California of all places. And I said, why are you taking my babies to California? (laughs) It's a tough place. 96% unchurched. Started a month before COVID. They had 200 at Christmas. Praise God. God's doing miracles through them. I got two babies that's in, a grandbaby that's in Athens, Georgia. My daughter's in ministry, other daughters in ministry there. But two grandmothers were talking, so I know about being a grandparent. Two grandmothers were talking, bragging on the grandbabies. And finally, one grandmother said, well, was, well, how old are your grandbabies? She says, Well, the doctor is two and the lawyer's four. <laughs> Greenwood Church of God, starting started. Time, it's time to start praising God for what he's going to do here. Amen. Oh, that was weak. You see, here's the way I'm different. I, you know, people said, You Derwood, you've lost your mind. I have. I gave to Jesus a long time ago. But I would walk in my church when I pastored, and I would see thousands in there. First church was 13. <laughs> I said, this place is growing. I started walking in there. You see, it's one thing for me, but then the people started believing it. When I go into a church, I start believing, God, this is what you're going to do. Man, I start praying over pews that were empty, and I start saying, Lord, they're coming in. From the north, the east, the south, and the west, I'm calling them in. I don't see them right now, but I know they're coming. I'm praying them in. And I just start praying. Next thing you know, a couple Sundays later, there'd be people sitting right on that pew that I didn't even know. It's not because of Derwood Perkins, it's because you start speaking it. Listen, I'm going to say those things that are not as though they were. I'm going to start saying, Greenwood Church of God, it starts time, there's people out there. There's people in the shadow of the cross of this church that's dying and going to hell right outside around here, and they're broken, and they're and they're wounded, and they're hurting, and they're aching, and Greenwood Church of God has the facility to say, listen, it's not just that we have a place for you, but we have a people that will love you, care for you, wrap our arms around you, and let you know that though you're been out of shape, we're going to rejoice with you, we're going to shout with you, we're going to speak with you, we're going to sing with you, we're going to rejoice with all that God does with you. Start saying, I'm starting to see it. I'm seeing the place feel." Listen, my hope is, Pastor, if you let me come back some other time, if I haven't ruined it today, if you let me come back the next time I come back, there's people in this pew and that pew and there's people in those pews and those pews. Why? Not just because. I'm just saying you've got it in you, Greenwood Church of God. You've got it inside of you. Let the Lord God Almighty use you and start seeing it happen and start making it happen and say, Lord God, get us from ourselves being bent out of shape and let's go to the world of those that are hurting and let's get them bent out of shape. And we're going to rejoice for all the great things that are done. I have a whole lot I'll have to preach part two some other time. All through the Bible we find people that rejoiced in the midst of joy killers. And there's a lot of joy killers out there. Here this lady is rejoicing. And it says, all the multitude rejoice for all the glorious things except for you are not doing that in mind. Did you see that? They raised their hands over there. Oh. Can you see that they danced the, a the little jig? So? If they do it in the juke joint, why can't we give God all the glory ourselves? Hallelujah. If they can ring a cowbell over a football going out. Why can't we make some noise for the Lord? Hallelujah. And by the way, I've been there with the cowbell. Don't have the cowbell yet, but I've been there with the cowbell. Michael had on his earplugs, and we should have had ours on. You see, David understood about joy killers. It was his own family that came against him, 2 Samuel. The Ark of the Covenant is being brought in, and all of a sudden David's bringing that Ark in, and a joy killer hit named Michael, his wife. Well, we don't understand. It says that David danced before the Lord with all of his might. Now, we don't know what that really means other than I call it he got happy feet. Now I don't know how it is with you because I I keep my back to you. I came here to worship the Lord and I don't know whether you had your hands raised or not but when they started singing that song and they started saying his name is healing, his name is power, you want to know why I was rejoicing? Because his name is healing because he's healed my body. And so I'm saying, I got happy feet. My, my feet just start moving a little bit. You say, well, I'm not emotional. I guarantee there's a little bit tapping your toe when it started going. David got happy feet. Michael says, How dare you be so undignified? And David says, I'll tell you about undignified. You think this is undignified? You wait till I really get going, baby. I'm going to worship him because worshiping him is greater than anything else that's out there in the world. Sometimes we got to get happy feet, and we just got to rejoice in him and praise him and magnify him and glorify him. Listen, if the three Hebrew boys can praise Him in the fiery furnace and Daniel can praise Him in the Lion's Day and Elijah can praise Him when there's no water and when there's no fire. When Stephen can praise Him when he's getting stoned and the lame man praise Him when he's healed and Paul and Silas can praise Him in jail, I can praise Him in the freedom and in the power of the Holy Ghost because He's the one that sets us free. He noticed me and He called me and He spoke to me and He touched me and it brings joy unspeakable inside of me. Here's the last point. That is that Jesus expects us to have the same compassion for those who have been unshaped as he does. Jesus calls those guys hypocrites and says, how dare you come against this woman that's been set free? You see, when we say we're going to pray for somebody, please pray for them. I'm crazy. I learned it from my granddaddy. My granddaddy preached all over the world. When someone says to me, I still do it today. And someone says to me, Pastor, would you please pray for me? I'm going through that. I, I don't say, hey, hey, Michael, I'll, I'll pray for you. No, right there and then, head up, I shy. I grab his hands and I start praying for the need that he just told me about. Number one, I don't want to be a liar and say I'll pray for you and not pray for you. Number two, I want everybody around to know that I believe in the power of prayer to touch me. Hallelujah. You got to pray for them because they're bent out of shape and they need someone to touch them. Listen, Jesus Christ is not physically here, but he's here through you. That we are to be the hands, the feet, and the mouth of Jesus. That we are to speak his words. We are to act on his words. We are the ones to do the words. Because the Holy Spirit lives with inside of us. Come on, somebody help me out. And so that means we are to be, why would the the Bible say, and be ye doers of the word and not hearers only? If we're not supposed to be doing the word. So let me end with this, and we're going to pray. I'm going to pray for some folks. It was in our first church. We were around 13. G and I were responsible. We had come to Natchez in Mississippi, where the first full time youth pastors ever hired in the state. And we were living in Natchez for two and a half years. We went to Anderson, South Carolina. and and ended up with a, with a youth group of 20. And it grew to be about the third largest youth group in our nation in the Church of God at the time. Gene and I were responsible at that, big, at that church for about 450 people ourselves. We were what I call ministers of miscellaneous. You name it, we did it. We were youth pastors, executive they didn't call it executive pastors back then. They called it associate pastors. Gene was over Christian education. That's where her degree is in it. So we were responsible for about 450 people. And we left there and felt the call to pastor. And we went to 13 people. 13. That was a big change. We had 20 my first Sunday. This side of the church didn't like this side of the church, and this side of the church didn't like this side of the church, and this side of the church wanted to come just to see the new kid on the block. When I got through preaching, the guy came to me and said, well, I like your preaching, but you can't be my pastor. You got one of them my wedding bands on. So I lost half my congregation, Jack, the very first Sunday, But I was growing fast. 13 people. My wife's a dreamer, and we'll tell a little bit about this tonight. My wife is a dreamer. She had a dream of turning the old sanctuary that they had into a children's ministry. Why would you have a children's ministry for 13 people? Well, I had two girls. We had another family that had two girls. And even though their dad's a great preacher, my girls needed ministry on their level. So Jean had this dream. So she goes in and we build this children's center. A lot of, a lot of hilarious stories that went along with that. And we built this children's center. And she had a little puppet stage. And so she taught the girls how to do puppets. And so they would take turns doing puppets in front of the other kids. And the little bitty newspaper of that community came and wrote an article on my wife. Took pictures of it. Then they started asking me, said, we want you to write an article. Now listen, we were so, this church was so far in the woods, we had to drive towards town to go deer hunting. That's how far this place got. You had to want to go there. So I was writing an article every month for this newspaper. Well, our air conditioner went out. This was deep, deep south, South Carolina, and it's like it is in Mississippi. It's 120 degrees in the shade, and our air conditioner went out. And we had 13 people. 13 people can't pay for an air conditioner. And I just started praying, God, you're going to have to send somebody here that can help us. And so God sent this guy named Steve Steele to us. And so Steve comes and we're there ministering. And I, I'm just helping him. I'm handing him stuff and getting some water. And I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a mechanical guy. I mean, I can do mechanical stuff, but I'm not that repair guy. And I'm, I'm just everything I can to help him. And all of a sudden, the Spirit said, you've got a relationship. now, winning." I looked at him and I said, Steve. I said, man, I said, do you, have a, have a, you go to church anywhere? No, I don't need church. I got hurt in church. I said, join the club. This statement that people make today is so stupid, church hurt. No, it's called hurt. And hurt people hurt people, and people will hurt you. Get rid of the church hurt because the devil says, I'm going to use the church to come against you. Get rid of that vocabulary. And he said, I've been hurt in church. I don't need church. I said, Steve, I said, Doug, you got any children? I do, have a boy. Five years old, named Steve. Steve Jr., I said, that's awesome. I said, Stephen said, if Steve were to die tonight, would you want him to go to heaven or hell? He said, I want him to go to heaven. I said, well, you know that the son follows the dad. And if you're not in church, Stephen's not going to be in church. And if you come against the Lord, Stephen's going to come against the Lord. I asked you again, where do you want your boy to be? I said, you know what, Stephen? said, you need to come on. And, And we've got a children's ministry. I had four kids in there, we still had children's ministry. I told you, you speak it, And I said, you need to bring this kid. So they came on Sunday, brought little five-year-old Stephen, ADHD to the 100th degree, baby, I'm telling you, bouncing all over the place. They're doing puppets and he goes up there, grabs the puppets and yanks it out of their hands. You know, just crazy. They'd come on Sunday night and he'd sleep on the pew. I could put the best of them to sleep, I'm telling you. And so finally, Gene said, "I don't get it." He said uh, he comes and he's bouncing all off the walls on the morning. And he said but at night he goes to sleep. And his, mom, his mother said, "Oh, we give him Benadryl before church at night." <laughs> Did you give me some of that on Sunday morning? This would be great. <laughs> he called me preacher, preacher, preacher. The third Sunday they came, preacher, preacher. He'd sit back there with his arms crossed and looked like he wasn't even interested in church, but boy, Stephen sure was enjoying the puppets. I get a phone call on Tuesday night. Preacher, 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 it's my boy Stephen. It's my boy Stephen, preacher. It's my boy Stephen. I said, whoa, whoa, slow down, Steve. What's going on? What's going on? He said, my boy. It's my boy. It's my boy. boy. He's in the hospital, and they say he's not going to live tonight. He said he's got spinal meningitis. My boy's not going to live, preacher. My boy's not going to live, preacher. I got in my car and I drove it, took, it takes 45 minutes to get there I got there in 20 please don't tell the cops I cut every corner you could cut and if there were fields I could have cut I'd have cut them and I went in that hospital I busted in the doors and I went back to that and I see you you know where they was you can't go back here I said those are my members I was speaking by faith I said those are my members and I'm going back there and I just kept on walking back I go back there and there's little Stephen there on this gurney ADHD to the 100th degree laying there stone cold still Hug the mom, I hug the dad. I look over and the nurse is there beside the gurney. And if you've ever been there to, in, a, in a hospital room and seen that look when the nurse goes, I hug next to mom and dad. and I'm standing next to them, and I stayed there for a little while. And finally, I walked over to that gurney where the little boy was, and I laid my hands on his head. And I didn't yell and scream. God's not deaf, even though you probably think I think He is, of the way I've been preaching. I get excited. I laid my hands on his, on his forehead, and I said, Lord, I don't understand this. The boy's only five years old. Lord, I know what your word says. Your word says that by your stripes, we were healed. Peter puts it differently, that by your stripes, we have been healed, already healed. I apply the blood of healing to this boy right now, from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. You're the healer. You're the redeemer. And I know, Lord, that you can touch Stephen right now tonight heal his body. That's all I said. Went back and I stayed with him until about 4 o'clock that morning, sitting with the family and still Stephen just laying there still. Nothing. Doctors coming in, checking. Nurses coming in, checking. The nurse would do the vitals and all that stuff again and she would look at me and she'd give me that look. not going to make it. I hugged the family and I left. I went home at 4 o'clock that morning. It took me 45 minutes. I didn't behave on the way back. I got home and I get a phone call at 10 o'clock that morning. Pastor, pastor, notice the difference, reverend, from preacher to pastor. Pastor, pastor, it's my boy Stephen. It's my boy Stephen. He starts talking fast. Said, whoa, Steve, whoa, slow down. I don't understand it. Whoa, I'm not hearing you. He said, what's happening? He says, it's my boy. It's my boy. He said, the doctors don't know what to do with my boy. He said, he's up out of the bed. He's running all over the hospital, running up and down the walls, and they don't know what's happening. He said, you know what I told them, pastor? I told him my pastor walked into this place and laid hands on my little baby boy, and God Almighty healed my son. I tell you, that's what happened. And the little boy walked out of that hospital. I'm telling you, that's what God can do he went from preacher to pastor and let me tell you what that band did, he said look I'm taking care of your air conditioning. you don't worry about that, but I'll tell you what else he did, he had compassion on other people that were bent out of shape and he was telling everybody in that little bitty town, saying listen you gotta come this little boy bears preaching the gospel this little boy prayed for my boy, they got a children's ministry over there, you gotta see that children's ministry, you gotta bring your kids and that church went from 13 to over 100 in 9 months time, I tell you when you start telling, when somebody else has been bent out of shape and they start telling somebody else how they can get out of being bent out of shape and you start having compassion and witnessing the people the power of God begins to flow would you stand there are people that are all around you that need the Lord this is Pastor Michael Mooneyham I want to say thank you so much for listening to our podcast today We are so thankful that you chose to join us in this way, but we would also love for you to come and join us in person at 1102 Sergeant John Pittman Parkway in Greenwood, Mississippi. Our service time is at 1040 a.m., and we would love to see you here. Thank you once again for listening. We hope to see you soon. God bless.